Let us turn in God's holy word to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll begin reading with verse 17. You can find it on page 1345 in your pew Bible. Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 17. I'd just like to draw our attention to one verse that comes before that, where we are called to not be carried away by trickery of men and cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. But in verse 15 we read, But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. I'd like to pick up our reading at verse 17. Let us hear the word of the Lord. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness." But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which is, was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness." Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he might have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. We also think of Exodus in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, where we are reminded in the Ninth Commandment that we are not to bear false witness. I'd like to hear from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 43, question answer 12, 112 as to what is required in the Ninth Commandment. Answer, that I bear false witness against no man, nor falsify any man's words, that I be no backbiter nor slanderer, that I do not judge nor join in condemning any man rashly or unheard, but that I avoid all sorts of lies and deceit as the proper works of the devil unless I would bring down upon me the heavy wrath of God. Likewise, that in judgment and all other dealings, I love the truth, 
speak it uprightly and confess it. Also that I defend and promote as much as I am able the honor and good character of my neighbor. As far as confession from Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 43. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of the matter is this, that truth is a very hard commodity to find today. The let your yea be yea and your nay be nay is seen as foolish instead of truth being a virtue that is loved, cherished, and sought after. We find ourselves amidst a culture that promotes lying, manipulating facts for personal gain, and even considering it wise and noble to slant the truth with the intention to mislead people. Media of all stripes certainly do this in order to sell talk shows, and the like are all guilty of this. It's interesting. I don't know all the facts of the matter, but in the news last week, Christian financial talk show host And the media, of course, draws attention to it right away. He's Christian. His name is Dave Ramsey. And it appears as if for six years he was promoting a company that he knew was not really taking care of people and helping them sell their timeshares, and they were losing lots of money. And for promoting this company, he received a personal gain of $30 million. And we realize, don't we, as the media picks this up right away, that Christians are held to a higher standard, especially when it comes to certain things like this, especially someone as influential as Dave Ramsey. And the fact of the matter is this, that lying, or not even being fully truthful, it breaks down trust, relationships, and is terribly dishonoring to God. And so the media is probably right in highlighting that this is a grievous sin. And therefore, we especially as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, not thinking we're better than anyone else, but, but that we would get to the heart of the matter and understand the ninth commandment and the, and the truth about lying. I'd like to do that with three thoughts. The truth about lying. First of all, lying originates from the heart. We don't get that right. We'll never figure out how to control our tongue. Secondly, Lying operates through the tongue. And thirdly, lying opposes edifying communication. Lying originates from the heart. 
The problem with lying is not something new. Maybe it's a hard commodity to find today, but this was a hard commodity to find throughout history. It was the very downfall of Adam and Eve. Satan comes into the garden and he begins to ask this question in a manipulative way. Did God really say that you would surely die? You see, God is withholding something from you, Adam and Eve. He's withholding the, f- the fact that you could know good and evil. He manipulates the truth and poses sin as a good thing. And Eve, who committed the first sin, even before she ate, exaggerated the truth. When she said, Yes, God indeed did say that if you eat of the tree, you will surely die. And not only eat of it, but even if you touch it, she says. I don't read anything about that in Genesis chapter 2. She already had a wrong view of God and was exaggerating God's command. Adam, who looks at the fruit and knows what is being given to him, is silent and does not uphold the truth, and he does not stand up for God or his truth, and does not correct a lie, partakes of the fruit. They are all liars. And that evidence of the fall is evident in our own depravity and has been evident throughout Scripture. Even... Jacob, a patriarch, or Peter, an apostle. Jacob, known as the deceiver. Or Peter, known for denying the Lord Jesus three times. I swear with an oath I do not know the man. Let us not think that we are any better. I was thinking we stand we fall. Let us not approach Ephesians 4 as if we are better than the Gentiles. And that's not what Paul is, is pointing to when he says in Ephesians 4, verse 17, Thus I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should not walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. He's calling them out and to call them unto their new character. And warning them not to walk because lest they think they stand, they would fall. Not to be given over to the futility of their own mind, having their understandings darkened, being alienated from God because of the ignorance that's in them. He's pointing out the depravity of man, the blindness of the heart, being given over to lewdness and uncleanness and greediness and all kinds of corrupt communication. It all flows from the heart, he says. And so this is like that fountain in James chapter 3 where he talks about our communication and our tongue. 
And he's asking the question, does, does this evil, unruly, deadly poison that flows off our tongue, that curses men rather than blesses God, is this what flows out of something that's good? He says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water out of the same opening? It doesn't. But he acknowledges that the tongue and our communication is something that no person could ever tame in and of themselves because it's controlled by an unruly, evil, deadly poison, namely our depravity. And yet we need to recognize the devastating power of the tongue. He uses the illustrations of, of a spark that would set a forest fire ablaze. We've witnessed that in Alberta. And even though they can send in helicopters and water and fight this fire, building, building brooms around it and, and making sure that it doesn't go any further, yet, he says, no man can tame the tongue. It's even more powerful than a wildfire. Because it flows from a heart of depravity. Jesus acknowledges this in Luke 6. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the truth of the matter is this. We are spiritually classified as liars. By nature, people who are under the power of darkness and of sin. And we need to remember that we are not liars because we tell a lie or two. We are liar. We lie because we are liars in our heart. And we need to be warned. We need to be warned. Even those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ need to be warned of the lying wonders and delusions of Satan. And that's why Paul is warning us do not give place to the devil, that great deceiver. Let us not forget all of the horrific warnings in Scripture that lying brings down the wrath of God. But let us also not forget the other truth of Scripture. As Paul doesn't. He says in verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. When you have put off the old and you put on Christ, then you are learning Christ and His power within you. If you have been taught of Him and the truth that is in Jesus, then you put off the old conduct. It's like you cut off your tongue and you slip a new tongue on. You're renewed in the spirit of your mind. Because you're a new man created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off. Put off the old and put on. And it's a continual process. Putting off and putting on. And even though lying originates in our heart and it certainly needs to be addressed, so does a tongue. That is equipped by God's Spirit and the power of Christ. And then, 
by God's grace, we can strive to control our tongue as we're warned of its dangers. It lies and originates in our heart. Lies originate in our heart. But they do operate through our tongue, and so we need to recognize that as we see in our second point. Paul says in verse 25, Therefore put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. That speaking, it, it operates from our speech, our, our tongues, because we are members of one another. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. It operates through our tongues and our mouths. It comes out of our mouths. Put away evil speaking from you. Now, certainly it doesn't give a list of all the ways we can bear false witness here. But he's showing us that it operates from our tongue and what flows off our tongue needs to be specified. And all of Scripture indeed does that. But there isn't anything wrong with taking a gleaning of all of Scripture and summarizing it as we find in our catechism. Let me just read that for you again. He says, what is required in the ninth commandment? And the first he begins with that which is really forbidden. That I bear false witness against no man. That I do not falsify any man's words. We cannot bear false witness. Bearing means to look upon, and to consider it, and to carry these false words in our hearts and in our minds and employed by our tongues as a false testimony of others. We cannot do so. Nor can we falsify someone else's words by adding to them or subtracting from them, only giving maybe a half a story or a bias or a slant to the story for your own gain. Half-truths are whole lies. How many times haven't you also To the half-truth. Young people, <clears throat> I was your age once too. Mom and Dad asked where you're going to go tonight. And you tell them you're going to your friend's house. But you don't tell them where you might be going after your friend's house. You just tell them the half-truth. It's a whole lie if the intention is to deceive them. Today we, in our media, we have lots and lots of fact checkers testing truth. It's amazing that almost every word that comes out of People's mouths nowadays is tested against the truth even by these fact-checkers and found wanting. Think about how many promises and contracts are breached in our day and age bearing false witness. 
where catechism doesn't just stop with bearing false witness. It talks about slander. And as we think about our communication, let's, let's not forget it's just our words and what operates from our tongue. But let's remember that our communication only is a very small percentage when it comes to words. It could be gestures. It could be our tone. It could even be our writing. Possibly even our social media interaction. And when we slander, we are murdering someone's reputation. Catechism also talks about backbiting, which is very similar. Very closely connected with gossiping. Backbiting, slander you might do right openly in front of everybody and in front of their face even, but backbiting includes gossiping, talking behind someone's back, spreading lies, maybe even truths that don't need to be spread. It's devastating to relationships and to a person's character. There was once a man who spread lies about a pastor, gossiping. And he was convicted and he repented and he wanted to go to the pastor and say, well, how can I ever make this right? The pastor told him to to get a feather pillow, to rip it open, and to go and place one feather on every doorstep up and down the street until the pillow was empty. It kind of seemed strange, but he thought, well, if this will get the pastor's forgiveness, I will go and do it. Emptied the pillow, and he went back to the preacher, and he said, I'm done. Well, the preacher says, that that wasn't all I was going to ask you to do. Now, I want you to please go pick up every single feather that you put on every single doorstep and bring it back in the pillow to me, and then the issue is resolved. And the young man looked at him and said, that's impossible! This time the wind had blown those feathers from here to who knows where. So it is with gossip. Paul warns Timothy to remind people who would go from house to house with idleness and gossip as busybodies. Your congregation, remember those who gossip to you will certainly gossip about you. And so don't allow your ears to be trash cans for other people's junk. 
another problem on social media today and many times in our communication is judging without hearing. Isn't that also what our catechism says? That I do not judge nor join in condemning any man rashly or unheard. You go in with a destructive, critical spirit and you judge the matter before you even heard the person. It's kind of like someone coming to church with a pocket full of stones. I can guarantee you if you have a critical spirit, you'll have your pockets empty before the service is over. See, Proverbs 18 tells us, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. But someone who constructively provides critique, you will hardly ever find them leave a situation. Maybe they won't always agree, but they will leave it peaceably because they'll understand each other, because they've listened and made judgment and even maybe even passed judgment. That's okay. But they've listened. Our catechism goes on to say the tongue participates in all sorts of lies. As a matter of fact, our catechism is very easy on us. If you turn to the Westminster Confession, the larger catechism is far more exhaustive and unpacks all of these sorts of lies in question and answer 145. I'll just give you a few of them. Flattery. Seeking insincere praise or insincerely praising others. Remember, if someone's trying to butter you up, they're just getting ready to have you for lunch. And if someone is seeking to build themselves up with vain through vainglory, they are rejoicing in infamy. These are all forbidden according to the Westminster Confession. Lying by ins- insinuation. You don't really say it, you just suggest it and let people go with that perception. Or exaggeration, like Eve. Or providing excuses. They're simply dressed up lies. The Westminster Confession says calling evil good and good evil is lying, and rightfully so. Concealing the truth is lying. Undue silence in a just cause is lying. Holding our peace when iniquity calls for us to reprove is lying. Speaking the truth in an unseasonable and malicious and to a wrong end is lying. You're only seeking to tear someone down. You aren't seeking their good. These are all things and more 
that are included in the Westminster Catechism. These are all lying curses that flow from our sinful hearts through the operation of our tongue. And we need to repent. And we need to pray, God, give me a right spirit within me. Help me put on the new man and let my tongue be a blessing to you and to others. Because truth-telling not only needs a heart change and the equipping of the tongue by the Holy Spirit, but it needs to include edifying communication. And our third point highlights the fact that lying is opposed to edifying communication. Lying is opposed to edifying communication. You know, it's interesting that the prohibitions are almost always opposite of the requirements. And that's probably very obvious in the Ten Commandments. And so it's very clear in our text, isn't it? You put off the old communication and you put on edifying communication. You put off corrupt communication and put on edifying communication. And not only does our passage highlight this in Ephesians 4, but so does our catechism. It says, likewise, that in judgment and all other dealings, I love the truth, speak it uprightly, and confess it. Also that I defend and promote as much as I am able the honor and good character of my neighbor. And the fact of the matter is this, that lying opposes the love for the truth. It wants to disassociate love and truth, and yet Paul brings them together in verse 15. Speak the truth in love. And certainly, even as David recognized his own sinfulness, he desired truth in the inward parts. He desired a heart that was radically changed by the truth, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with truth, so that the truth would come out of his mouth. Because he had a love for the truth. But sin and lying loves darkness. And lying especially loves darkness and blindness. Because when the light shines upon something and sight is given, the lie is exposed as deceit. Lying is opposed to light and sight and hates the truth. And it ultimately hates love too. Because God, who is light, God who is truth, is God who is love. God is the very definition of all three of them and they all fit perfectly in God's character. And so therefore, love begins... And truth begins with a love for God and a love for His truth. And it will be the only thing that will move you to speak the truth in love to your neighbor. It's a love for God. And that's why lying is so opposed to truth. Satan is opposed to God. His deceit is opposed to God. 
and needs to be exposed. There are two lies of the devil that undermine the truth today. The first is this. It is an overemphasis on love rather than truth or even a divorcing of truth from love. In other words, Satan lies and says, oh, in order to love someone, you have to make sure that they feel good. You have to make sure that they feel accepted. It will keep you from speaking the truth. And you will lie to them. Because you've divorced truth from love. Secondly, Satan lies and comes and says, you have to stand firm on truth and do it at all cost. Be that bull in a china shop, as it were. Weaponize the truth and judge rashly because truth is at stake. And you divorce truth from love. As a matter of fact, the Westminster makes it very clear that lying is included, included in lying is this, that you speak the truth unseasonably, and I'm quoting here, or maliciously to a wrong end. There's an old Puritan saying that the very truth you are contending for can be undermined by the way you contend for it. You could be standing on truth and you could be proclaiming truth, but the way you're proclaiming it can undermine the very truth that you are seeking to establish or confirm. Neither one of these is speaking the truth in love. To give true edification and grace to the hearer. And we need to make sure that kind of communication never comes out of our mouth. We should never compromise truth, and neither should we ever compromise love. They both need to be held together. In our passage, they are. In our call to worship, that passage, they were. And one way we can focus on that is anytime we engage someone in communication that we stop and we think and first of all think about Proverbs, or sorry Philippians 4 verse 8 finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just and pure and lovely and of good report if there's any virtue think on these things listen for these things lay hold on these things encourage these things feed your mind with these things saturate your mind with good things even these good things from the word of god and his truth that truth that will set you free and will set others free. 
Saturate your mind with the most profound truth of all of God's love and the gift of His Son for our sins. Meditate on what Christ has done for you. Humble yourself at the same level as the other person underneath the cross and there look up and see Jesus and you will not see yourself as any better than the other person. And seek to be meek, humble, and unmovable for the truth, even as Jesus. Then we will speak the truth in love. And we will desire the best for our neighbor. We will want to promote truth and my neighbor at the same time. That's why Paul is saying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. We are one. We are members of one another. So let's speak truth to each other so that we might edify one another and give grace to one another. That we would be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. But lying, it opposes that truth. I want to promote self instead of your neighbor. To promote self instead of God. Oh, dear congregation, never let speaking the truth even if it is true, even if it is true, as an excuse to unnecessarily destroy the honor and good character of your neighbor. Robert, General Robert E. Lee was once asked what he thought of someone else, another general officer actually from the Confederate Army. And the officer had made some terrible comments about him, mean-spirited, just cutting him down. Robert E. Lee was asked what he thought of this officer. Lee thought for a moment and then said, he's a very good officer. He answered, very satisfactory. The person who had asked him the question was confused, maybe even a little troubled. And he said to the general, he said, General, I guess you really don't know what this person is saying about you. Ah, yes, said General Lee, I do. But see, you didn't ask me about his opinion of me. You asked me what my opinion was of him. even though his opinion of Lee was terrible. Lee's opinion of him was good. And so he promoted the character of the officer. Would we do so? Would I do so? You see, the truth about lying is that lying is absolutely devastating to the character and integrity of the person or entity that is the victim of lying. It damages relationships, often 
irreparable except for the grace of God. It is offensive to God and my neighbor. It is a poison that comes out of hell to destroy and is deserving of eternal condemnation. And despite, despite all of the devastation of lying and the wretchedness of our hearts and the ill-advised words that come off our tongue or many other ways we communicate, we are not left without hope. because of Jesus Christ himself. Who lived and served and instructed his disciples. And they were all going to stay with him. They committed. They promised. We will even go to death with you. And they all fled. And he was forsaken by all. And the Pharisees, they bring in false witnesses to condemn the Lord Jesus and stir up the crowds to declare a false witness against Jesus. There, even in the hall of Caiaphas, Peter, as I mentioned earlier, bears false witness. And Pilate, who knows the truth, refuses to defend the truth. And the crowds buy into the false witness to condemn the Lord Jesus Christ. In order that Jesus could save lying sinners, like us, in whose, word, in whose mouth was only truth and never a lie. He became a liar so that we might have truth, and that truth could set us free. And the truth of the matter is, he gives his Holy Spirit And he calls us by the power of the Holy Spirit to put on the new man and to tame our tongue by His grace that our tongues would communicate to His glory. Dear congregation, that is the truth about lying.